It's a real privilege to be with you this morning to share the Word of God. Before I do, I'd just like to give you a real quick update on uh, what is going on with the Catequina work that we left in Brazil uh, back in 2009. But two years after that, the mission for a number of reasons decided to uh, close the work. And so we were left with the translation of the New Testament uh, and quite a few of the uh, Old Testament portions in a rough draft form. Now, the checking process is very thorough and uh, very time-consuming, and it looked to me like uh, somebody else was going to have to learn that language and, and take over that work because uh, for a number of reasons we were unable to go back down. And just recently we got an email from the lady who is a secretary for the consultants in Brazil, and she said that they have found a fellow, he's with Wycliffe, uh, he's <clears throat> uh, I guess pretty high up in their hierarchy in, in South America, he's actually Argentinian, and he is retiring, and he has offered to work with me for the next few years to check the New Testament and get it ready to be printed and, and given to the Indians. So it's a real answer to prayer. It's going to be a lot of work. And uh, I think so far, I think I still have remembered the language, so we'll be able to get that into their language. So I would appreciate your prayers. I'll try to keep you updated better with letters. Once we stop making that trip out to the Indian reservation in a little red pickup truck, and all these exciting adventures going across the Judoa River, it was kind of hard to find anything exciting to write about. But uh, the Lord has been <clears throat> using us here. Uh, we've really had, it's been a thrill for us to be able to work with the food pantry. And uh, I think this uh, Tuesday, we're all going to get a little bit hot. It's going to be warm, but it, uh, it's worth it. And also, I'm working with the Wayside Cross Mission. Uh, I've got a class there once a month in a chapel, and I'm also doing uh, counseling with some of the fellows. So the Lord's keeping us busy. And once I get into the uh, translation work, we'll, we'll really be busy. Uh, while I was reading uh, a while back in my time in the Word in the morning, uh, I have kind of a, a program that takes you through the Bible in a year. Instead of going just from Genesis straight through, it has uh, four different parts of the Bible. It starts with uh, Genesis, and then also that takes one of the Psalms and uh, the Gospels, and then acts on through the uh, epistles. So you have a portion from, from each of those uh, each day, and that will get you through the, through the Bible in a year. And every once in a while as I'm reading, the Lord really uh, touches my heart with, <clears throat> uh, with a passage, and that's what happened quite a while ago as I was reading in the, uh, in the book of Psalms, the second Psalm, actually. And <clears throat> as we look at the Psalm this morning, I, I'm thinking of... Uh, one day when Charlie Brown and Linus were talking. And Linus came up with a theory. He said, I've come up with this theory, Charlie Brown. He said that <clears throat> uh, there is no problem too big or too complicated that it can't be run away from. And Charlie Brown was horrified. He said, but, but Linus, he said, what would happen to the world if everybody took up that philosophy? And Linus said, well, at least we'd all be going in the same direction. Uh, today it looks like our world... And our country, unfortunately, is heading in a certain direction. Uh, I remember in 1960, or in the early 60s, when I was in Bible school, we, we, uh, they were making predictions about the way our country was going, and they said if we don't get into the colleges, and if we don't get into our political system more, and don't, uh, don't bring about some change, within 20 or 30 years you're not going to recognize this country. And I think today as we are facing what is called political correctness, and right now it's more covert, not overt. It's, it's, it's not uh, completely out in the open in this country. It's starting to be more. 
But uh, Christianity is, is about to become persecuted. And I think as, as we look to the Lord's coming and we get closer to that, the things are going to get rougher. As the Antichrist realizes and Satan realizes his time is, is uh, getting short, and so he's going to do everything he can to thwart the church of God. Well, many years ago, uh, King David, apparently through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, looked at this. And he asked this question in, in Psalm chapter, uh, the second Psalm, uh, the first verse, he said, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Now the psalmist here in these first three verses, he asks a, a, an angry question. But it's a, it's a fair question. He said, why are the, the kingdoms of the world, why, why are they plotting against the Lord? Why are they trying to work against his anointed? And he sees the armies of the world ready to go to war against God. Now, we're, we're seeing this more and more openly as, as days progress, but the, the countries and, and uh, the, the uh, forces of this world are turning against the people of God. Uh, you see, today in, in the world, anti-Semitism, God's chosen people, Israel, they're all of a sudden becoming, uh, denying the Holocaust ever happened, and they're turning against them. And the church also, just reading yesterday, I think it was, in, in a news story that um, where, where there was a, a monument put up to uh, honor the soldiers, but it also had a cross on it. And so one of these uh, groups now that likes to sue people and take a stand for Christianity has come out and said that has to go down, that can't be up there because it's, uh, it's Christian. And I remember when I was a kid, this kind of thing, you never heard of it. Uh, granted, it was quite a long time ago that I was a kid, but this... Uh, things were different then. And people that, that took a stand for the country and took a stand for the Lord were looked up to, not looked down on. Today, people who, because of their religious conviction, who don't feel in their heart that they can uh, bake a wedding cake for uh, 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 a gay wedding, they're losing their businesses, they're being sued, they're being stripped. Why? Because they're taking a stand for what God's Word teaches. It's not politically correct. And so the psalmist, as he looks around and sees the way the world is going, even back in his day, but even more so today, he says, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? They're trying to stop God. And we see the people, and they're vainly plotting against God in their hearts. And where that kind of rage is, usually you can find foolishness. Uh, <clears throat> Every once in a while when I'm uh, sitting down, uh, I'll look at the Science Channel to see what the latest theory in physics is. I, I don't know if you know, but it, you can, now they're starting to work on the Star Trek and trans, uh, teleportation. They found that they can have two photons, one, one here and one up in a satellite, and <clears throat> somehow they're the same thing, the same I don't even begin to understand this stuff, but uh, there's no proof for this. That's just the theory they have right now. Uh, there's a theory about dark matter. We don't see it. We don't. There's no way to prove it. But uh, if we don't believe that, then well, then we're going to have to accept some other theory for the for the uh, origin of the universe. The Big Bang won't work anymore. And then there's also the dark energy that can't be spotted either and can't be measured. But it's pushing the universe farther apart. And so they do anything that they can to take God out of the picture. Uh, I have a a, a, net, a granddaughter who is in college down in Alabama. And she called us the other day 
she is trying to bring in God's creation into some of her classes. And she says that Christians are being openly mocked and laughed at in, in the colleges because they believe that God created the universe. And these scientists are, are working day and night. There's, there's a hatred of God. There's a hatred. Evolution has become the dominant uh, theory, and, and they will do anything, and they will make any claim they can to, to try to prove evolution. It is this rage against God. And where that, there is that kind of rage, there can usually be found foolishness. Romans uh, chapter 1, 21st and 22nd verses. He said, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish, foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And <clears throat> at first, it's the rulers that are the ones that are bringing this about. I think it's so sad today. I was, I was speaking to the guys at the mission uh, 4th of July, or the, the 5th of July, actually, but we're talking about uh, our citizenship. And I said, it's so sad today that the first thought that comes into your mind when you hear the word politician is liar. And I've actually come to the place where I wonder, can a really a true born-again, godly Christian who has put God first in his life and wants to serve him, can that man truly be a politician and be elected today? And it's just sad that, that our country, which was founded on truth, now is being taken forward in a lie. It starts with the rulers. And in the fourth chapter of Acts, as the apostles have been told, you can no longer preach or teach in this name. And they told the officials there, they said, well, you guys have to decide whether we should obey God or man. But as for us, all we can do is, is tell what we've seen. And so <clears throat> then they got together and prayed and, and uh in Acts 4.27, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, who was the Jewish authority, Pontius Pilate, the Roman authority, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So here the, the government officials were working against the Lord Jesus when he went to the cross. In determined malice and hatred, they're, they're reining themselves against God. And it's not just a, uh, a passing fit of anger, it's a deep-seated hatred. And they <clears throat> set themselves to firmly stand against and resist the Prince of Peace. And the rulers take counsel together. They don't foolishly rush into this. But in their craftiness, they go about warfare against God. And behind them is the one who's causing all of this. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he said, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And this is, I think of the story of Daniel. If you look in the 10th chapter of the book of Daniel, remember Daniel saw the vision, it troubled him, and he asked God to give him the, uh, the meaning. And finally, after a few days, Gabriel shows up. And he said, the day you prayed, God sent me with the answer to give you the, the explanation of this vision. But he said, the prince of, of, uh, of Persia withstood me for ten days. And finally, uh, God had to send another angel, Michael the archangel, to help Gabriel get to Daniel with that message. There are things going on in the spiritual world, folks, that we don't even know about. But I'm, I'm afraid that as, as men turn more and more against God, we're going to begin to see these things. And so it's, <clears throat> it would be wonderful if the saints, that's all of us who are in Christ, 
We're to be careful to serve him as his enemies are to sneakily attack his kingdom. They've gone in sneakily, but now they're starting to come out more in the open. And unfortunately, while sinners seem to have their wits about them, saints are somewhat dim-witted in comparison. And it's a shame. We don't really realize the threat that there is against us. And this rebellion, as crazy as it seems to us, it just, it's just growing and growing. The earthly reign of Christ will not come until after a tremendous conflict in which the kingdoms of this world unite themselves against God. You can read the book of Revelation and find out just how this is going to happen. Earth does not love her rightful king, who is the Lord Jesus, but blindly follows and serves the usurper and his lying, deceitful ways. And Paul, writing about this in, in 2 Corinthians, said, in their, in their case, case of the unbelievers, the God of this world has blinded the minds of, of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the conflict of the final days will show both the world's love of sin and God's power to give his kingdom to his only begotten Son. To those who haven't experienced the grace of God, his yoke is unbearable. I don't want God telling me what to do. I don't want these Christians to, to have any influence on me. I'm going to do what I want to do. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ made this statement, and this is a statement that, that all of us who are true believers in Jesus Christ have found to be true. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Each of us can and should judge ourselves by this. Do we love that yoke of serving the Lord Jesus Christ or do we wish to throw it off of us? So looking at verse 4 then, he goes on and he said, He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. Uh, if I were walking down the road and, and an ant came up and decided he wanted to fight with me, what would be my reaction after the shock that an ant could talk? But it wouldn't be much of a fight. I mean, just smash, and that's the end of it right there. And that's what this is like when these guys try to stand against God and they don't realize who He is and what He has done. And it's the God that we worship, folks. And He looks at them and He just laughs at them. There is a song that I think, uh, I think it was Bill Gaither Singers uh, sang years ago. Uh, but we were listening to it a while back. And I remember that, I love that because it, it really has a lot of truth there. He says, I read the book. I read the end of the book and we won. And it's going to look, as the days progress, I think that, that we are losing the battle. But if you can go jump to the end of the book, you find out we did win. So God has, he despises these people. He looks down on them. He's not afraid of them, but he looks down on them. And therefore, he laughs at them. And then after he laughs, he'll speak. And the breath of his lips is enough, verses 5 and 6. Then he will speak to, to them in his wrath, and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. So at the moment when their power is at its height and their fury most violent, then his word is going to go out against them. And what does he say? He said, Despite your malice, your riots, despite the so-called wisdom of your counsels, despite the craftiness of your lawgivers, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Jesus still reigns. He is still the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he still shall take to himself his great power and reign to the ends of the earth. It's coming, something we look forward to. And even now he reigns in Zion as he's seated at the right hand of the Father and interceding for us. But at that day when we see him on his throne, we'll shout out our praises to the Prince of Peace.
And at this time, at the present time, Jesus sits upon the throne of grace and the throne of power in the midst of his church. We still worship him and we look to him and, and he can help us. At this point, someone else is introduced into the psalm, verses 7 through 9. He said, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So we've looked into the council chamber of the wicked and to the throne of God, and now we see the anointed one declaring his sovereignty and warning the traitors of their doom. But God has laughed at the council and cravings of the wicked. He's seen these guys in action and he, he despises them. He's not afraid of them. He's not worried about how am I going to win this battle because he knows what he's going to do. And now Christ, the anointed himself, comes forward as the risen Redeemer, declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans 1.4. And he looks into the faces of these kings who are rising up in rebellion against him. And he seems to say, if this isn't enough to make you silent, I will make the decree. And this decree is in direct contrast and conflict with man's desires. For its, basic, for its base, basis is the establishment of the very dominion against which the nations are <clears throat> raving. They do not want anything to do with the kingdom of God. They want to throw this thing off of them. And we are working day by day as we go out and, and live our lives before the people in the world and as we go out and, and share the story of how God has changed our lives and what he has done for us so we are absolutely helping to overthrow this kingdom of the world. And they kind of tolerate us, ridicule us, I think the time is coming when if you start trying to be a faithful witness for Christ, it's going to cost you. This decree is in direct contrast in conflict with man's desires, for its basis is the establishment of the very dominion against which the nations are raving. He says, you are my son. So here is wonderful proof. This is, this is a tremendous article of proof of the glorious divinity of our Emmanuel. God with us. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is proving that He is divine. What a blessing to have the divine Redeemer in whom to rest our confidence. Whatever we go through, and I know a lot of you guys, folks here, are going through difficult times. Uh, we've <clears throat> This past week, I would like to just completely forget that it ever happened. Different things came up. But you know the Lord's with us every step of the way. And I think of his Isaiah as he's talking about the, the hardships, but he said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. And Satan will try to do everything he can to get our eyes off of the Lord Jesus and get our eyes on our problems or get our eyes on the difficulties in the world. But we have the, the divine Redeemer. We have the one who died for us, and we can rest our confidence and our trust in him. God says, ask of me. Remember in, in the, the Bible, as you read through it, you, you see that the custom of the kings in times past was to give favored ones whatever they asked. If you remember when Queen Esther was going in to plead for her people, and if the king did not extend his scepter, then she would be executed. She knew that. But what happened, when, because God was working in this thing, when she went in, and he extended the scepter to her, and then as she came forward, he said, ask what you will, uh, Queen Esther, up to a half of my kingdom. Uh, another illustration of this is Herod's granddaughter, when she did that vile dance in front of Herod at this drunken party he was throwing. And when she got done, he said, ask whatever you want, and I'll give you anything you ask for up to half of my kingdom. So now here is our heavenly father telling the son, whatever you want, ask of me, and I'll give you the heathens for your inheritance. 
and he declares this decree to the face of his enemies. He raises his scepter in his pierced hand and declares that his father has given him not only the right to be king, but the power to conquer. His father, the creator of the universe, has given to him the power and authority to rule with an iron hand and break in pieces the rebellious nations. It is going to happen. Those who will not bend must break. Uh, I was sharing God's word with the fellows at the, at the mission uh, around Christmas time, talking about the incarnation. And there's a verse there that really should, a uh, passage in Philippians that should really sober all of us. Uh, Paul has just described how the Lord Jesus left his divinity, his, his glory in heaven. He tr- didn't try to hang on to it, but he laid it aside and came down to the earth, was born, <clears throat> and lived his life as a servant. He became obedient even to death, death on the cross, which is the worst criminal's death there was. And so as a result, we read in Philippians 2.9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the challenge I throw out, uh, throw out to the fellows of the mission I throw out today, you have the privilege of bowing your knee and with a, a heart full of praise declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you don't, there's going to come a day when God is going to force you on your knees and against your very will, He's going to force you to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you can do it now out of a willing heart, heart of love, or you can do it one day in rebellion against God. So now the scene changes and counsel is given to those who have taken the counsel to rebel. They are exhorted to obey and give the kiss of homage to him whom they have hated. Verses 10 and 12 through 12. He said, Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear, and, re- and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. It's always wise to be willing to hear instruction, especially when that instruction will lead to the salvation of the soul. It's infinitely wise. If you want to be a wise person, then follow Jesus. If you want to be a fool, then reject him and remain his enemy. He says, serve the Lord with fear. Uh, Reverence and fear should be mingled with our service. He's a great God, and we're but puny creatures. I remember seeing a a, a movie a while back. It was one of these superhero movies, uh, like the Avengers or something. Anyway, uh, this mythical god Loki has come to earth and causing all sorts of problems, and, and, and in the end, he <clears throat> and Hulk are in this building, and Hulk's against him, and so he tells Hulk, he said, you can't do anything to me, I am a god, and Hulk grabs him, wham, 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 wham. He said, puny god. Well, that's basically what the world has to offer you. We serve the true and the living God. I was just listening to a message this morning coming out here uh, about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So here's one guy here and 450 prophets of Baal, and Elijah told the people, all right, you keep bobbling between two opinions. If, God, if the Lord is God, serve him. If, if Baal is God, then serve him. But quit bouncing back and forth. It doesn't work. You've got to make a choice. And so we need to uh, bend in lowly worship and let a respectful fear mingle with our obedience to the great Father of all ages. He said, rejoice with trembling. There should always be a holy fear mingled with the Christian's joy. We have joy. But we need to remember where we came from and where our loved ones are going to go if they haven't come to Christ. Fear without, jo- <clears throat> without joy is torment. 
That's what the Apostle John said. We shouldn't be as others. We should not fear because fear brings torment. And joy without holy fear is presumption. We need to remember where we came from and what we really deserve. Uh, <clears throat> I know a fellow every time you, you know, how are you doing? And his answer is better than I deserve. That probably should be the answer on every Christian's lips. Because if we got what we deserved, God would have cast us immediately into the deepest pits of hell. But because of His grace and His love, He has saved us, and we should be eternally thankful. And this is a solemn argument for reconciliation and obedience to the Lord. If you haven't come to Him, you need to, to come back to God. If you are His, you need to obey Him and, and allow Him to control your life. It is an awful thing to perish in the midst of sin in the very way of rebellion. And yet, unfortunately, the majority of people today in this world, that's exactly what they're doing. Remember what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. It says, Our God is a consuming fire. What a horrible way to perish for eternity. And yet those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, who have not put their trust in His death on the cross of Calvary as the sacrifice for their sins, they're going to stand before God clothed in their sin. And those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, who have come to Him, we're going to stand before God wrapped in Christ's righteousness. When God looks at me, and I'm sure glad <laughs> it's going to be this way, He's not going to see Jerry Kell on all of his sins and his rottenness and what he is like. But you know, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us. And so as He's hanging on the cross, and we see darkness come upon the land, and all of a sudden, Jesus cries out in agony, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, He became our sin. And God poured out His wrath upon the Lord Jesus Christ as He hung there on the cross. Folks, that the, the physical suffering that Jesus went through was terrible. I don't deny that. But the spiritual suffering He went through was something that we will never be able to understand. He did not have anything to do with sin. He was perfect. And yet He took all of our sin on Him. God took my sin and imputed it to Jesus. He punished Jesus for that, and now He takes Jesus' righteousness and He imputes it to me. And that's the only way I will ever be able to stand before God, is clothed in Jesus Christ's righteousness. And any one of us, it's the same thing. But for those who have not been clothed in Christ's righteousness, what's waiting for them is eternal punishment. And I don't, I personally don't think any now, this is only my own opinion. I don't think God throws anybody into hell. I think when they stand before a holy God at the great white throne judgment and they see their sins brought before them and they see God's holiness and all of the saints standing around, they're going to want to get away from that. They don't want to stay in that presence at all. Note the benediction with which the psalm closes. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. This is the promise that God has. This is what the message that we have. So do you have a share in this blessedness? If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have trust, trusted Him, you do. Do you trust Him? Our faith may be as slim as a spider web, but if it is in the right object, we are in our measure blessed. Do you want this blessedness? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The more we trust, the more we will know this blessedness that God has for us. As you walk with God and begin to grow in Him, the, the closer He comes to you and the more that you're going to, to be able to be used of God. And then... As the apostles of old, we should daily pray, Lord, increase our faith. Now, it's a, little, it's a little tricky when you pray something like that. Because you ask for God to increase your faith, He's going to bring tribulation into your life so that you'll have to increase your faith in Him. But I'll tell you, folks, it's worth it to walk 
with God in a life of faith is, is the most wonderful thing there is on this earth. It doesn't mean everything's going to be, going to be great. We live in a sin-cursed world. Because of what our father Adam did, the world is suffering today. We're reading in, in the, today the Bible reading was in Rome, the eighth chapter of Romans. You keep on reading through that and it tells how the whole creation is suffering because of sin, waiting for its redemption, and it's going to come. So all we, but God wants of us to, of us as believers to do is to share His message with those that we come in contact with through our lives and as God gives opportunity through our open word. And for those that are not in the Lord Jesus Christ who have never uh, put their trust in Him, I would say do it. Don't put this off another day because uh, God offers you salvation today. Tomorrow we don't even know if it's going to be at tomorrow.